If you will, please turn in your Bibles to the end of your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 13. If you recall, uh, we finished off our in the middle of the book of Revelation in chapter 12 with with um, a look at our enemy, the dragon or the devil. God is showing us in these chapters uh, who are the spiritual forces behind all of our spiritual struggles? And and there we continue uh, in Revelation chapter 13. And, and I want you to stand with me if you're able to stand, uh, because we will be reading a word from God in Revelation 13. And we want to honor him and thank him for it. We do so by standing. I also want you to know as you stand... Uh, this is no time to relax. I'm not trying to clue you into me wanting you to stand the whole time I'm preaching when I say this is no time to relax. I'm giving you the title of this sermon. This is no time to relax. Because the devil and his work through these two beasts that we will see in Revelation 13... All of this is really scary. Would you listen for that very thing as we begin in chapter 12, actually in verse 17 to see the context. Then the dragon, that is the devil, became furious with the woman, that is God's people, and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. That's the church. On those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And the devil stood on the sand of the sea. Verse 1 of chapter 13. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and with seven heads. With ten diadems or crowns on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast and they worshiped the dragon, that is the devil, for he had given his authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming its name, his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive to captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword, must he be slain? Here is a call 
for the endurance and faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six, six, six. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Do you feel safe? Good. I'm guessing not everyone does feel safe. There is a reality in which this world is not safe. This world, we need to understand, is full of of dangerous people and dangerous things so that many understandably do not feel safe. Yet others do feel safe. Some don't see anything to be scared of. And they they can have different reasons for that. You You know, some people believe they, they are safe because they are strong. Or they've got enough money to, you know, deal with whatever life throws at them. Others feel safe for different reasons because you know God and therefore you feel safe. Well, the book of Revelation recognizes all the dangers of this world. And and God is telling us through this book, we really can be safe. And yet here we are in Revelation 13. And I want you to know right away, I mean this is so wild this this chapter. Uh, I I was tempted more than once to to dig out that left behind decoder ring I used to carry around. Especially when I was in the book of Revelation. 
But I, I, I also realize, and I hope you will realize this morning, that it is possible to, possible to be so curious about Revelation 13. That we may actually miss Revelation 13 and specifically just how scary this is. These two helpers of the devil are scary. They're beasts. And I do want you to know God is warning us with this chapter not to make the mistake that so many people make. What mistake is that, Ryan? Well, I'm glad you asked me. It's the mistake that's in all those scary movies. I think you know what I'm talking about. Whenever a character feels really safe. And then you know what's coming next. He relaxes. Beloved. This ain't no movie. Far more is at stake than what we see on a screen. I want to give it to you in a sentence. Fools relax when the devil attacks. That's, I think, what you can take home from Revelation chapter 13. Fools relax when the devil attacks. This is no time to relax. I wonder how aware you are of how the devil Attacks you. Well, we're told here it's through two beasts. And the first one, look look again in verse 2. The first one is given by the dragon or the devil. The devil's power. The devil's power. This is no time to relax. Point number one. The devil's attacking through domination. The devil's attacking through domination. We see this in verses 1 through 10. Now, you you guys may have wondered for far too long who it is who this beast is. And, and, And I want to persuade you that the best decoder of the book of Revelation is actually the Old Testament. And... In Daniel chapter 7, which we just read, we are told the four beasts there are four kings who arise out of the earth. The Old Testament has told us who the beast is. It represents kings or or sometimes kingdoms that are opposed to the Lord. The beast of Revelation 13 represents the devil's power working through ungodly governments. And the beast is using the devil's power to take dominion. So the devil's attacking through domination. And I want you to see a couple of things about the beast. First of all. The beast 
is ferocious. It is ferocious. I mean, one thing to note from our reading in Daniel chapter 7 of those four beasts is that this beast is kind of a Franken beast of the Daniel 7 beasts. Uh, verses 1 through 4 reads like a scene in a, in a scary movie. Can you see it? Where the devil stands over the sea and then a monster is rising out of the water. And the first thing we see is the monster's head. And it's got a whole bunch of horns and diadems or crowns of authority. This beast is a mighty king. But then as he keeps on rising, we see the body is the body of a leopard. And then as he keeps coming out of the water, the devil raises this beast that has the feet of a bear. That means you can't outrun him. And he's got claws that would tear you to pieces. And as he finishes describing the, the beast that the devil raises up, we, we, we are told to focus on his mouth. It's the mouth of a lion who's roaring and devouring. The beast is ferocious. But then we see in verses 5 through 8 that the beast is focused. He's focused. I want you to, you may have come with all kinds of questions from Revelation 13, and I, and I know that I'm not going to answer all of them. I want you to really concentrate on what it is making clear to us about this beast. He is ferocious. He is focused. And I want you to notice what does the beast do when he gets the devil's power? The beast, it says in verses 5 and 6, blasphemes God, dishonors God. And then in verses 7 and 8, the beast battles God's people. Here, here's what you should understand about the beast that the devil is raising up is he's focused and he's focused on all the things that the devil has always been focused on. He wants to torment God's people, listen, so that they would stop trusting God. Stop honoring God. He blasphemes people. He tried to get them to believe something untrue about God. I mean, you just think back to what the devil did with Job. Right? What was his goal? Job was given this skin disease. Why? So that he might curse God. This is what the devil's always been doing. The devil then entered into a man named Judas. Why? So that he might compel Judas to turn on God's son. Beloved, I'm, I'm trying to make this clear for you because if you miss the devil's end game, You may relax right into his trap. The devil's end game, listen to me, 
The devil's end game is never disease. The devil's end game is never loneliness. It's never even death. Those are his tactics. They are not his end game. His end game and what he's using, especially godless governments to do is to keep God from getting our worship. And to keep you from getting God. He does that through the beast. So. Can we talk a bit about our country? Some of you here are like me. And you don't think that much about that frequently even about our country or our government. And and that's where I've been a fool. Because Revelation 13 says the devil is using the government. To pressure believers away from the Lord. So it may not be wise to ignore the news. Ignore what is happening in Congress or in the Oval Office. Because that could be as deadly as relaxing in your enemy's house and just drinking whatever he offers to you. This is no time to relax in our attitude toward our government. But some of y'all probably do need to relax. (laughs) You know, about politics. Some of y'all might. Should hold your tongue the next time a rant is about to be written. About government. Because if you're not careful. You may not know it, but you may end up by doing that kind of thing, denying what Revelation 13 and verse 7 says. Revelation verse 13 and 7 says that the beast is making war on the saints to conquer them and authority is given it to every it over every nation. That means our nation. Here's what I mean when I say you may not understand that you're denying verse seven. If you get too focused on government and politics, the devil is attacking through domination and the devil has infiltrated every human government. That includes the one where your guy gets the Oval Office. So, yeah, I get it that there are there's such a thing as bad presidents. Of the United States, but do you understand there is no such thing as a great president? Christian, we need a king. We need a king. And it's possible to think so much about our country. That you will inevitably think too little of Christ. And that's exactly what the devil wants. 
for you just to focus on getting the right guy in the Oval Office to get the right laws passed. As if the devil's not still at work through our country. For us to relax. Because if we relax, we might surrender. And some of it can be seen in having faith in our country. Isn't that exactly what they are saying in verse 4? About the beast. Who can fight against it? There can be a kind of nationalism that says, who could possibly beat us? What could possibly be better than our government? And I want you not to relax. Because the beast is ferocious and he is focused. There's also something I haven't noted yet that's really important for you to get. And that is that the devil is really powerful and yet he's also really pretending. He's pretending. When he stands at the end of chapter 12 on the sea, he's pretending to be the creator who was standing over the waters. You see what I mean? There are these little clues that if we have our decoder open in the Old Testament, we're starting to get what what God's putting down for us about the scary devil. The beast that he creates in chapter 13, verse 1. He's got all those horns. He's got all those crowns. He, he's really scary. But he's scary like a really good Halloween costume is scary. Because those horns and those crowns are just pretend, him pretending to be like someone who is a lamb who has many horns and many crowns. He's just pretending. Hey, let me put it to you like this. The devil's best work is only a cheap imitation. We have a real God. Who's really more powerful than him. Uh, we're, we're told that the devil's beast has all these blasphemous names in verses 1 and 2. And, and, and when he has those blasphemous names, they are pretending names. He's taking upon himself names that actually belong to someone else. And we've heard of someone in the book of Revelation who's got lots of names and he ain't pretending. Have you ever heard? Of the faithful witness. Have you ever heard. Of. The firstborn of the dead. Have you ever heard. Of. The one who we call Jesus. Who is also called in the book of Revelation. The Alpha and the Omega. Have you heard his name. The living one. The one who has the keys to death and Hades. And beloved, did you know that's just what they call Jesus in chapter 1? The most important name in, in Revelation chapter 1 is one that I haven't said yet. It's the Son of Man. And when, when he's called the Son of Man, that's really important to us when we get to the book of Revelation chapter 13. 
Because if you followed along in, in Daniel chapter 7, right after our reading, we are told that after all these beasts arise, these great kings arise, then one like a son of man comes to the ancient of days. And he was presented before him and to him, the son of man was given all dominion. And he was given glory and he was given a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. We're told that this figure in Daniel chapter seven is our savior, Jesus Christ, the son of man who has dominion that is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall never be destroyed. What I'm telling you. Is as scary as the beast is. And, and he is scary. Well, there's one who conquers him. The beast is powerful. But he's not permanent. We're told that he is given authority from the devil to, to reign, it says in verse 5, for 42 months. And that, that limited amount of time is, is a reference to the amount of time we have symbolically until Jesus returns and takes all his power. Now, I want you to understand. You don't have to wear red horns. To be a devil worshiper. The beast is there to make everyone worship the dragon. And he's described how it is that people worship the devil. And just to sum it up, all you have to do to be a devil worshiper is to live as if Jesus is not supreme. As if things in this world. As if powers that can give you what you want are supreme. So listen, if, if you're not devoted to Jesus, understand that when you die, you are going to come face to face with the king. You're going to come face to face with the conqueror of all beasts. And he has an eternal hell. For everyone who has surrendered to the devil. And I'm here today to offer you him. You can have the king. Not just as your judge. But as a savior. Because revelation calls him another name. And that is the lamb who was slain. Jesus Christ used all of his authority. One day to die on a cross. So that his father would pull up, pour out all of his anger for our sins. All of our Christ belittling sins. All of the ways that we live like he's not enough. Christ died for on a cross. He was slain and his blood is shed to forgive everyone who believes in him of all of our sins. And you can be forgiven right now if you trust him. Last week, Ben Forbes preached a great sermon that segued us back into studying the book of Revelation, but looking at the devil. And 
he reminded us from the book, The Art of War, that the key to survival is knowing who the enemy is and knowing who you are. So for everyone here who loves the Lord Jesus, we know who the enemy is. And so we know this is no time to relax. But if we'll also remember who we are. Then you'll know this is a time to rest. Look again at. Verse eight. The beast is attacking everyone. Or everyone is going to worship the beast, everyone whose name is not written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of life of the lamb who was slain. The Christian's safety is settled because of where our names are written. The Lamb's Book of Life. God has a record of the people He is going to give life to through the Lamb who gave His life for us. But notice also not just where our names are written. Notice when God put our names there. Before the foundation of the world. In other words, before this devil existed, before he raised his beasts, our safety was absolutely settled because that book has been closed since before the foundation of the world. This is a scary world. And the devil is attacking us through scary beasts. But the key to surviving all of his attacks is not just knowing who the enemy is. And it's not just knowing who you are as the one whose name is written in the book of life. It is the key is that the Lord knows who we are. He wrote our names down long, long ago. So rest. Beloved, rest. There ain't a devil in hell. Who can reach your soul. But proof. That your name. Is in the book that he can't touch. Proof of that. Is that you don't relax. Look at verse 10. If anyone is to be taken captive to captivity goes. If anyone is to be killed. Let him be killed. The devil will use our own government. And its citizens to pressure us. To leave faithfulness or else. I mean, do I need to say anything more than just a point to gender and marriage? And what the government is trying to persuade us of. That is the absolute opposite of what God has clearly said. So don't relax. 
rest. And resting is active, isn't it? I mean, look at verse 10. This is a call to endure. This is a call to faith. Resting is an active. Resting in Christ is an active, not a relaxing activity. Do you want to know your name's written in the book of life? Then rest, but don't relax. Actively resist enduring the devil's power. Actively resist the devil's pressures so that even if we lose our life, we do not lose the Lord. If you want to be safe, don't relax because the devil's attacking through domination. But also, point number two, the devil's attacking through deception. Look in verses 11 through 18. We have a second beast here who this one has the devil's, not the devil's power, but the devil's persuasion. And here we're called to active kind of resting, aren't we? In verse 18, this is a call to wisdom. You can't relax. And here's why you can't relax. Because of what the second beast looks like. Because of what he looks like. Verse 11, he looks like a lamb. He is just so cute. I mean, I'm just about ready to pick up my girls and go to Build-A-Bear and uh, try to persuade them to pick the second beast to make their stuffy out of. If I do, once we get home, we'd pull its string and fire would come out of its mouth and burn the whole house down and kill every living soul in the house. The devil's attacking through deception. He looks like a lamb. He sounds like a dragon. You know what this dragon sounds like in chapter 12, verse 9. He's the deceiver of the whole world. What comes out of the second beast's mouth are lies that will lead you to hell. And so... Even though he's performing great signs like Moses did. Even though he's calling fire from heaven like Elijah did. He's not a real prophet. He's called later in the book of Revelation, the false prophet. That's who the second beast is. The false prophet. And he's doing what false prophets do. Chapter 13 and verse 12, exercising authority on behalf of the first beast and making everyone on earth worship the dragon's beast. And verse 14, it's doing its signs. Why? To deceive people on earth so that they would worship or make an image of the dragon's beast. Beloved, if you're going to withstand the devil's attacks, you're going to have to do more listening than looking. You're going to have to do more listening than looking. Don't look at all the signs. Don't look at how sweet he looks. You've got to listen to him. 
What does that truth that you're cherishing lead you to do? Does it make you show how worthy God is? Or does it somehow bring you away from God? Be very, very careful who you allow to influence you spiritually. So, look, it's not wrong for a preacher to look good. Uh, What I mean is for a preacher to have an attractive personality. That's what the second beast is doing. He's attracting people by his looks. But you may be in trouble if you leave a sermon thinking more about the preacher than you do of Jesus. And churches in John's day and churches in our day have impressive preachers who are really serving the false prophets. Friends, if the devil's attacking through deception, that means that we're not safe just because we think we're safe. Just because we go to church. Do not relax. Listen. Listen carefully. The devil's attacking through deception. Look in verses 16 through 18. The devil deceives by preoccupying us with deciphering. Listen. The the devil is deceiving by preoccupying us with trying to decipher which countries and which leaders are especially beastly. Now, I need to be careful here because God is telling us in verse 18 that we are to calculate the number of the beast. I do not think that what he means is to assign numerical values to the letters of the alphabet, the way that people respond to this, and they add up Nero's name to equal 666 or Hitler's name to equal 666. I do wonder if we can get Biden's name to... And my guess is some of you have done it, but keep listening to me. I mean, listen, if you go to Allsup's today and that lady asks you for six dollars and sixty six cents. I don't think Revelation 13 is telling you to burn those Twinkies or the devil's going to burn your soul. We're to calculate the number with wisdom, it says. And with understanding. And I think that means with scripture and not with superstition. Can you just see how the devil may want us to relax by looking for a boogeyman in Russia or in some future that is long after we've all been raptured from here? Curiosity Like that kind of curiosity opens us up for what the devil is really doing, which is deceiving us into relaxing in our religion. And a relaxed religion is not a safe religion. Fools focus on deciphering the wise discern. And I think this is what I'm thinking in these last few verses. I think he would have us discern a couple of things. And, And first of all, where is the mark? That's what I think we should focus on. Where is the mark? It's on, in verses 16 and 17, on the head 
and the hand. Which is the place Deuteronomy 6 told us that God's law should mark his people. What God wants, listen to me. What God wants is for his word to fill your mind and direct your life. Or else you are in real danger of the devil's mark. When when he speaks about the, the mark here, the false prophet, what he's doing is he's trying to persuade us that the beast is going to be good to us. That's why he you can buy and sell with this mark. He's going to give you more life. He's going to nourish you. He's going to give you pleasure. I mean, how many have fallen away from the Lord slowly? Fading from worshiping the Lord by focusing on the good life. Buying, selling, a comfier home, a boat for the lake, sports dreams for our kids, the 401k. Yes, the devil is happy for us to verbally deny Christ, but he's also happy for us to claim Christ. And not really think about him. And forget how to live for him. The devil knows if I get their head and if I get their hand. So, beloved, I beg you. Whatever ideas distract you from the Lord. Whatever ideas in your mind distract you from the Lord, whatever goals that you are trying to accomplish with your hands, whatever distracts you from the Lord, the devil is trying to use that to deceive you into falling away. Calculate, discern, where is the mark? But then secondly, what is the number? What? Is the number, verse 18, the number of a man, 666. What is the number? And know that it comes in a book that always uses numbers symbolically. 144,000 saints, which is to represent the fullness of believers. Three and a half years, which is to represent a limited, relatively short amount of time that, that lasts All this time before Christ returns. Seven churches. To represent all churches. 666 is symbolic as well. Discern it. And here's the the best clue on what you should understand. That is that the number seven is the number that's perfect. And three is the number of completion because there are three persons in the one God. So, three sevens or seven, seven, seven. Well, that is complete perfection. And six, six, six is less than that. Or, to put it another way, the number of the beast being six, 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 means the beast is going to be a complete failure. 
he will never reach perfection. Now, how can calculating the beast as 666 make you wise? Well, I want you to remember what it is that the deceived say in verse 4. Who can fight against the beast? There's no one who can beat the beast. Beloved, there is someone who can fight against the beast. And we're told at the end of Revelation, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. That's Jesus. And the beast was captured. And with the beast was captured the false prophet who performed all those signs and, and all of those and deceived all those who received the mark of the beast and who worshipped its image. And these two beasts were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And then the rest who followed them were slain by the sword coming from the mouth of Jesus. Beloved, there is no one like Jesus. And what Revelation tells us is to rest in him. Let me say something in closing and then I'll be done. Some of you may know I've got um, a bit of a reputation as a soccer coach in town. <laughs> uh, I guess you could put it this way. Um, coach Ryan got no chill. I got no chill as a soccer coach. Um, like that one game when we were 15 minutes into the game and we were beating that team five to nothing and my assistant coach pulled me aside and said, you know, maybe we should let up just a little bit. And I thought, you know, we are a Christian school. Um, you've got a point. And so I did some stuff to let up so that by the end of the game, we had just won 15 to nothing. And I want you to know that really hurt me more than I can say to pull up that much. Because as a coach, I got no chill. And if you're going to be faithful to Christ, you've got to have no chill. You've got to have no chill. We totally rest in Christ. He is going to keep us safe. He is going to win in the end. He is going to cast the devil and his beasts in the lake of fire. But this is no time to relax. It's time to endure the devil's domination and discern the devil's deceptions. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would keep us from being fools. Keep us from relaxing whenever the devil's attacking. We pray that you would give us wisdom to devote all of our life, increasingly so, to the one who wins. We pray that the Lord Jesus Christ would get all of our mind and all of our heart and all of our hands. That we would think the way he wants us to think. That we would live the way that he wants us to live. That he might receive the glory that he is due. And you're going to give it to him. We pray that we would be with him and honoring him. In Jesus' name, amen.